want somebody praying for me. Well, uh, we'll turn here in First Peter and try to pick up where we have uh, left off. Uh, and I just rejoice that uh, we've made it through the first chapter together. And if God lets us live very long, it's, uh, that's exciting. I can't wait to get through more chapters of the Bible with you and just go down through here, just line upon line and see what the Lord would have for us. So you pray for me and I don't really um, know exactly where we'll stop, but we'll start kind of back up uh, and I'll just recap here quickly. Uh, But verse number 21, who by him do believe in God. And that's what Brother Reed was singing about uh, that raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. And so everything in the life of a Christian is about Jesus. Uh, it's all about the Lord. And uh, so if, um, as he's going to go on and tell us here in just a moment, unto you therefore which believe. All right. And so there's an emphasis on the Lord Jesus as you start down through here. Now, I'm convinced uh, the Bible said to whom all the prophets give witness. And I believe every, nearly every chapter of your Bible in some way or another could be applied to the Lord Jesus. He is the subject of this Bible. He is the door by which men can enter. He is the bread of life. He is the lily of the valley. He is all the wonderful things that we know him to be. And Peter's going to establish him in another manner. Uh, Paul established uh, uh, so many great truths in referencing our Lord and the church being a body and uh, Peter is going to set him forth as a and us forth as a building and uh, so and I just love all these I one time brother Jones had a uh, a book a little booklet and I don't know what happened to it uh, but all the references to Jesus in the Bible and uh, it, it took his names I believe there was some 400 and something different uh, names and references to the Lord Jesus Christ and if you'll just keep your eyes upon him you're going to make it through Christian okay Okay? Just keep your eyes on him, all right? And so anyway, so we, we get that in verse number 21. We're going to see the work of Christ. Uh, I won't go back any further. We've been seeing a few of the works here, but uh, this is the work of Christ and all that Christ did for us on the tree uh, as they sing about, the young people sing about uh, Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And so that your faith and hope might be in God. Uh, Christ Jesus accomplished in himself uh, everything necessary to reconcile you to God. And so when you couldn't get to him, he came to you and opened the door and he is the bread of life. He is, uh, I am that I am. He's so many wonderful things. The rose of Sharon, the, uh, to the person of Jesus, we could spend a lot of time. Uh, but here in verse 21, who by him do believe in God, we owe him everything. He is the foundation upon which we stand. He is our access by faith. He is our high priest of our profession. He is the apostle. He is the uh, 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 not only the high priest, uh, but after a total another order, uh, the, after a power of an endless life and not the law of a carnal commandment. He's after the order of Melchizedek. Consider how great this man was, the Bible said, uh, talking about. So uh, we know the Lord is so much to us. And here it says, who by him do believe in God, we see the work of Christ. So uh, we all got started thanks to the Lord. That's why I don't have any problem with the Bible saying salvation is of the Lord. 
Now, somebody else would want to make that say something that it doesn't say. Uh, I'm not saying uh, the, the degrees in which some men take that verse. But salvation is of the Lord. And uh, Jesus, if it was not for him, there would be no salvation. If he didn't satisfy the just demands of a holy God on your behalf, there would be no availability for you and for me to go to heaven. We would never have our sins forgiven, but for the blood of Jesus Christ. We would have no hope in ourselves. We would have no access by faith into the prayer room. We wouldn't be able to enter into the presence of God and make our requests known. But by Jesus, right? He's everything in your life. In him we live and move and have our being. And if you get outside of Jesus, Christian, you're in trouble. Uh, So your eyes must be fastened upon him and your every movement, your every heartbeat uh, includes the Lord Jesus. Your life should revolve around Jesus. He's not something added to our life so that we can enjoy it better. He is our life. Uh, Jesus is our life. And so we see the work of Christ. Now go on down to verse number 22. We see the working of the Spirit, seeing you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And so we see the working of the Spirit. Not only have we purified ourselves in obeying the truth, uh, but the Bible says, though we are free moral agents, so we are free indeed, uh, the Spirit of God obviously was able to influence our will. And the Spirit of God drew us to Jesus. The Spirit of God enabled us and allowed us and granted repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. I don't believe one of the first one of the first works of the Holy Spirit in salvation is the illumination of the mind. God has to open your mind to the truth or else you would never believe. Uh, and that doesn't make anybody a Calvinist to believe that. Uh, that doesn't not even, most people don't even know what that means when they call you one. Uh, but the Lord has to illuminate the mind. He has to open the mind. Uh, you, your conscience has, has it not been seared. Uh, your conscience plays a good part in it. Uh, but your, your Bible teaches that the Spirit of God has to open the mind to the truth. I have read the Bible and heard John 3 16. I don't know how many countless times in my life, but that day I got saved, it was open to me on another realm. Uh, beyond the natural man. The Bible says the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, and he's not subject to them. Indeed, he can't be. There's no way he can receive them. They're spiritually that word discerned is, means understood. They're spiritually understood. Somebody has to quicken you, and somebody has to open your mind to allow you. We're blessed, folks. Uh, we, sh- we shouldn't understand the Bible like we do. Uh, God's opened our minds, illuminated our minds. He's allowed you to see yourself as you are. Uh, as Paul was able to say, I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Uh, I know that I am a sinner. That's a blessing if you know that. Uh, most of the world doesn't know that. They're all okay. Uh, but the Lord opens your mind not only to who you are, but especially to who Jesus is. So it's wonderful. So who by him do believe in God? We see the work of Christ. Then you see the working of the Spirit uh, bringing about salvation in our life. But not only that, uh, but as we continue on the Christian life, there's too many things we try to do in the power of the, of the, of the flesh. Uh, and that is never going to accomplish anything much in our life. Nothing of eternal value will be accomplished by the arm of flesh, right? 
And a lot of times we fight our battles in a fleshly manner. Uh, we've got, uh, whether we're battling against the enemy or other enemies, we're always thinking naturally. And we too much as Christians a lot of times get in dark places or get in battles in our minds and in our life. And we try to uh, think in a natural sense and approach it and attack it with uh, carnal weapons. And the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so it's a spiritual thing. You've begun in the spirit and you'll be perfected by the spirit, carried on by the spirit of God. He's a person. The spirit of God's a person. And uh, he's just as close to you uh, as the person sitting beside you. But he's a lot closer than that. He's inside of you, right? And so you must yield to him in your life. Uh, young people, as you're uh, saved and born again, if you're saved, uh, you go through there. And there's something in your heart that says, hey, that ain't right. Uh, and you're saved. That's the spirit of God. And you need to yield yourself to that new man that's inside of you uh, that's been created and cannot sin. So the working of the spirit uh, is, and there's, there's many times throughout the spirit, uh, the Bible says if you walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Most of us are falling into the same temptations and sins day in and day out because we're walking in the flesh, right? If we'd walk in the spirit, we wouldn't fulfill those lusts. And so we need to be filled with the Spirit. And you say, well, preacher, uh, I got filled when I got saved. Well, uh, I'm not going to argue that with you. uh, But I don't know why if you were filled and you got everything, I don't know why it's commanded for you to be filled if you're already filled. Uh, So I believe uh, there's certainly a filling uh, and then there's certainly a time when you can be unfilled uh, and you need to be filled. You know what I think happens? We get too full of ourselves. That's what happens a lot of time. And uh, the Lord wants us to be full of the Spirit of God. Uh, so we see the working of the Spirit of God. Seeing you purified your souls and obeying the truth. And that's what happened uh, the, uh, when we got saved. Uh, I've never felt more pure uh, than when I first got saved. Did you? I mean, man, I felt pure. The Lord just washed me and cleaned me up. And uh, if you got saved, that's what happened to you. The Lord purified you. He cleaned you up. And he's started to work now on the inside. And he'll continue that work and it'll manifest itself on the outside. And so God uh, will continue that work by the power that worketh in us. Is that not what the Bible says? He's conforming us to an image by the power that worketh in us. So why would we want to grieve the only thing giving us the power to overcome the world? That's where we got to be careful, I think. Uh, when we do things that grieve the Spirit of God and we listen to things we shouldn't listen to or, or we are in places we should not be or we do things we should not do and we grieve the Holy Spirit, you've effectually, you have so damaged yourself because you've grieved the only person who's able to give you the power to overcome the problems you're having. And so it's a, it's a deadly cycle, a vicious cycle uh, that you, we must be careful to get into. But the Spirit of God. So we see the working of the Spirit. I don't want to get bogged down there. Being born again, uh, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the Word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the Word which by the gospel is preached 
preached unto you. And so he's going to go on. He stops in verse number 25 and he stops on the word of God and he'll go on down into chapter two and exalt and exhort us again back to the word of God. I don't know, Brother Jones, did you make it to Psalm 119 and you were teaching through the Psalm? Boy, I'm telling you, the Bible, uh, how much does it exhort me and you to make sure we stay in the Bible? Make sure we understand uh, that if we want our minds renewed, we'll have to get in the Bible uh, by the renewing of your mind. And uh, we take we take too light of the word of God. But for us as Christians, if we want to do anything for the Lord, we're going to have to give ourselves to the word of the Lord that endures forever. And so go on down with me to chapter number two of first Peter. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, we're going to look at the will of the Christian uh, because the Bible deals with a lot of things here that are prideful. Uh, and he is actually talking about, uh, you know, me and you having been born again. So this is the Christians, right? A lost person can't lay aside malice and guile and hypocrisies. That's what's amazing to me. I've asked some people all the time and I'll say, well, just tell me this one thing. Uh, what sin is it that God's not given you the power to overcome? He's not withheld anything. Uh, you have all power. Uh, you have the ability. Uh, that's not the problem. I think I know where the problem is, don't you? Uh, but uh, so here's the wonderful thing we should take great pride in, in the sense of not being prideful, but you understand what I'm saying. We should be so thankful. I guess would be another word uh, I should use. We should be so thankful because the Lord's not left us to the whims of our own sin. He's not just, he's not just left you and said, good luck. He's given you power. And so when he can expect power, he can expect us, he can say, lay aside all malice. And he's not just saying that because he's got nothing else to write. He can say, lay aside the malice and put off the envy and the guile. Lay aside the hypocrisy. Quit telling lies to one another and try and lying all the time. I want you to put all of that off. Lay it all aside. Just like you take your coat off when you go home and change clothes. I want you to take all that stuff off and lay it aside and walk away from it. He can expect that out of me and you. You think he just says it because, well, God knows we can't really do that. He just says it because, see, I don't believe God makes commands for people that he don't expect them to follow. I just don't believe that. I don't believe also that he commands you to do things that you cannot do. And so if he tells me to lay aside malice and guile and envy and hypocrisy, I don't care what's happened in your life. You can lay it aside. Right? God's not unrighteous like that. He doesn't demand you to do something you can't do. And so if you're saved, this is a realistic expectation for you to lay aside malice and guile. And we know what these uh, words mean. The malice is an enmity of heart and ill will. Um, malice is a, uh, they feel better when they see other people hurting. It's revenge, uh, a get even attitude. Guile means deceitfulness, crafty, uh, bait. It lays a trap for people. Uh, hypocrisies we know is acting in pretense. Envies is discontent when they look at others. Do you ever do that? That brings a lot of bad things into your life. Envy does. When you look at other people, you can't just be happy that the Lord's been good to them. You get envious and you feel like God shorted you somehow. Uh, envies, all evil speakings. That's gossip and slander, backbiting. Boy, how we should... I, you know, we might need to go to James chapter number three, but we, are, we ought to be careful. As one man said, this little member can cause a whole lot of damage. Uh, I've always grown up to thinking about this. I've been told this. I don't know how many times, you know, how many of you have heard that uh, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. Uh, 
That was a lie. I don't know who come up with that. But I'd rather have a stick or a stone to the head than somebody say something mean to hurt you fail it. I get a bruise, I can just put some ice on it and I go on. But words will hurt you deep. You can't put ice on that. You can't, it's hard to overcome that. Men, we need to be careful what we say to our wives. We hurt them in places that it just takes the Lord to help them. But you can't put ice on that. I, I, if I've ever regretted anything, can I say something to you young people? If I've ever regretted anything in my life, I told my mom I hated her one time when I was a lost man. Got mad. I hate you. Boy, that's awful. Awful. Now, I was lost, and that doesn't excuse it. But, boy, I can wonder how bad that hurt my mother. We better be careful with our words and what we say. Folks, it's just as real. Hey, it's just as real in a church. When God puts love in your heart for people and you love them, man, when you say mean things to people, it hurts. I'm going to tell you, it hurts. I don't know about you, but I'd about rather somebody hit me in the side of the head than to say stuff that hurts you. It, words hurt. Don't let nobody fool you. When, when God said something was set on fire of hell, he didn't say it was your fist. I mean, I, I, I've heard a few fist fights and things go on in Baptist churches through the years. I've just heard things like that. I was never been a part of that or anything, but I've heard of that happening. But I've heard of a whole lot of churches tore up out of somebody's mouth, you know. I mean, somebody getting mad and disgruntled, envious, getting malice in their heart, or want to uh, have guile and hypocrisies, and they use their mouth. And boy, we can get in a lot of trouble, can't we? Let's try to be, let's try to be extremely careful. Uh, God gave us a brain to think about before we say things. We ought to think about things before we spout off with stuff, shouldn't we? Be careful with our, with our tongue. It can be so hurtful. I know families right now that can't hardly even get around each other because of, I know, I know spouses and homes that have been, I don't know if they'll hardly ever be repaired over words. Some of the ugliest things, Christians, we shouldn't do. That shouldn't be in our home, should it? I don't think our children should hear things like that. We got to be careful. Our homes ought to be a place of bliss and joy. Shouldn't it? So they shouldn't hear that kind of stuff. We need to be careful. And you young people, be careful when you get upset. Don't say things you'll regret later on. You'll regret it. There'll come a day you will. So just be careful with that. I've killed the mood in here, haven't I? But we need to remember that. I, some people, they think, you know, well, it makes me feel better when I just unload everything out of my mouth. Well, it may make you feel better, but I bet it don't nobody else. Boy, I've loved people, and I know you have, and they've said things that just that hurt you. And you know what? You get over it, and you forgive them. Because I know who's behind all this stuff. So it's, it's easy. If, if you take it too personal, you, you've got to look at where the attack's coming from. Even if it's your spouse, even if it's your children, it's the enemy stirring all this up. And so don't, don't get mad at people. I know who's behind all that. I know what the flesh is made of. And, and you can get over those kind of things, but you won't get over the hurt that gets down in your heart when they tell you things. That's hard to get over. We ought to be careful with that.
I've seen a lot of independent Baptists get real messed up because they get just mean-spirited and say things. We ought to be careful. Our, our speech ought to always be seasoned with salt. We ought to be gracious in our speech, shouldn't we? I, I, we, we ought to be just as kind. And I don't think it pleases God to hear us making fun of people. I don't think the Lord's pleased with that. I don't think the Lord's pleased with that at all. We, we ought to be careful with that sort of thing. Uh, now, where that comes from, well, evil speakings. We need to be careful with our evil speakings and our, our little members in our mouths, shouldn't we? Hey, I don't know anybody's got that down, Pat. We've all got room to grow in that area. And um, I believe, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was John McCormick. I can't remember who it was. Um, but I, I believe he said, uh, that's why God gives you them teeth and this mouth and these lips to keep that closed and keep stuff from coming out. We'd be a lot better off to just sleep on it before we called and gave pieces of our mind away. Don't you think? Well, I'd just sleep on it. Pray a little about it. I, I want to be encouraging to people, don't you? I want to, when, when they come in, I want, I want to put a smile on them. I, I appreciate what Joshua was saying about Brother Poland. Uh, I, you know, I want to put a smile on somebody's face. I don't want to be the kind of person that's just hurting people. People are already hurting enough. The last thing they need is another load dumped on them by somebody that's supposed to love them. Right? They need to be careful with the words that we say. I, I, uh, sometimes we have to say a, a word in due season. It's a, it's the a, a truth with love. It doesn't mean that we withhold words that need to be spoken, but we need to speak it in the right time and in the right spirit because there's some hard things that need to be said sometimes. I don't do a good job at it, but there's some harsh things that need to be said at times. We don't just need to not say it and let people be wrong, right? But there's a right time too. We need to be careful on the timing that we, and the spirit in which we approach people. Young men, can I, can I say something to you when you get married? The Bible says dwell with your wife according to knowledge and her being. You can cut your wife's heart into pieces with your mouth and really hurt her. Our, our wives deserve to be spoken to and treated kindly and gently. They're not to be screamed at and hollered at and belittled and, 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 and like a tyrant over them. And they're, they're, they're not, to, they're, they're, uh, they're a blessing to our life. God, God gave us a wife. He said it was saw that a man, it was not good that a man was alone. And he gave him a wife as a blessing to your life. And so, uh, I want to exhort you, don't ever get into a place where you, uh, you don't need to be harsh in your words with your wife. You may have to say some things sometimes because you're the head of the home and as you're going to be and when you get married. Uh, and so there's decisions you have to make and you have to take the leadership position. Uh, but you can always do that in a kind way and not speak down to your wife. Your wife's not under you. She's not less than you. Right, she will be. She she is a she is one with you. She is a helpmeet to you. She's not somebody for you to walk on and for you to use and for you to take out your anger on or for you to. She ought to be encouraged. She ought to be made to feel good about herself. You, you, that's the only time you're allowed to lie. When she looks terrible, you're, don't you ever say that. 
It's the only one that's forgivable, okay? No, I'm kidding. But I've seen too many. I've seen too many husbands. I'm a, a Christian husband holler and scream at his wife. I don't think God's in that. God's not in that, man. Let's be careful. Uh, I don't know what got me there, but it just did. Uh, but it's, it'd be good for us always to remember that. You'd be better off to just turn away and, and maybe take some time and breathe and, instead of just lashing out with your tongue. You'd be better off to separate yourself out, get a little time, put a little space and distance between you, and then discuss it in a calm manner. God's not in all this screaming, fussing, and fighting stuff. God's not in that. Uh, so uh, just be careful, young men, when you get married. These, these ladies, if you, when you get a wife, uh, God gives you a wife. It's a blessing. Whosoever findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And uh, the last thing you need to do is to talk down to them or be mean and belittle and use your word. You ought to use your words in a way that encourages them, that exhorts them, that, it, that uh, encourages them to be what you know. You see, it's our job. Uh, I want to move on. I don't want to get bogged down in this. Uh, But you know where the Bible says uh, that he might sanctify it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ of the church gave himself for it. Right? And so it is our job uh, to see things in our families and in our home and to help them get to the place where they need to be. Not attack them for not being where they should be. Does that make sense? Even our children. Dads, our, our job is not to belittle our children and provoke them and, 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 and attack them and belittle them because they're not where they need to be. Our job is to get them to where they're supposed to be, not, not belittle them for not being there, right? Same thing in our wives. Our wives need, uh, uh, God has given us to them so much that when they see something, they, uh, the Bible exhorts them to go ask us questions, spiritual questions. And so our job is to be there, to be ready, to help them to be what God wants them to be, not attack them for not being that. Take, for instance, if a husband, the wife, submit yourselves and your own husbands and the things that you want to. No, in all things, right? And so you try to do that, and that's not always easy. You may have a, a husband like me, and that may not be too easy to do. Uh, but no, you let me find that difficult. And so as husbands, we can't look at our wives and say, well, you're not submissive. Well, why don't you give her something to submit to sometimes? <laughs> Amen, brother John? Why don't you, why don't you, uh, why don't you love her and, and treat her in such a manner? I have found you can, you can get a POW if you want one. POW surrender. Right? They don't have a choice. But that surrender comes with hatred in their heart. They're not submitting because they love their captor. Right? They're not surrendered because they love the character of their captors. But you and I have submitted ourselves to the Lord because we love him and we love his character. And our wives ought to submit themselves to us because of our character, because of our great love for them. You can make them, you can force them physically in a physical sense. I'm not saying you, you should. I'm saying that is possible, but that's fear. Fear uh, doesn't bring about, fear and love aren't the same, uh, uh, won't bring about the same thing in the home, Right? We can force and make our children to do it, but why don't, shouldn't we give them something that they should love us and our character and see our care for them so much they shouldn't want to submit to us, right? That's the way we do God. God could kill us, Brother Rupi. God could make me do anything God wants to do. God's powerful enough to do it. 
But he wants me to choose to love him for who he is. Some of us get mad. Our wives won't submit. But we don't give them much to submit to. Now, I ought to get one amen in that somewhere. Thank you. Amen, bro. Boy, these... I say that to say that can I, I don't, I'm not trying to attack or attack anybody. I've just seen that in my life. I have watched men talk to their wives in such an awful manner. God is not in that. And I, I pray and hope that, uh, uh, that your, your home is not that way. Uh, so if you're um, here and you're doing that, um, you know, the Lord is not pleased with that kind of thing. I, I don't think, I've never had the Lord belittle me and attack me like that. Now, he's, he has to get a hard, some harsh truth across to me sometimes, but I've found him to be merciful and gentle. He's been so long-suffering with me. He's been so gentle and good with me. I, I, I thank him for it because he could have he been pretty harsh with my failures, and he hasn't. He's continued to work with me and love me and show me the right way, guide me. Right? Isn't that what leadership should be? And men, when we're leading, we're supposed to lead our homes. We don't lead like Hitler led. We led, we lead like Jesus does. This like you brought that verse out this morning. He washed his feet, washed their feet and then said, I've done that for you. You do that for one another. We ought to do that the way our homes ought to be. Don't get the idea that, bless God, I'm the man of the house and I'm going to rule over. You want a home like that? Help yourself. But it ain't going to go good. But man, if we served it more like Jesus does his household, man, how much has the Lord done? Though he was Lord of all, humbled himself and became obedient and served. What to serve one another. I don't know where it's come out somehow that the man is beating his chest, strong-arming his family around. I don't know where that kind of teaching come into fundamentalism, but it's wrong. It's wrong. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and beat it to death until it submitted. You couldn't even imagine something like that. And belittled them until they straightened up. Boy, I couldn't even imagine a thought like that. I couldn't imagine Jesus and gave himself for it. Failures and all. Boy, I hope the Lord helps us with that. Man, we, uh, we need to, because as I, so go our homes, so goes our churches. And most people, a lot of times when they come into church miserable and the spirit's grieved and you can't worship, it's because something probably happened at home. And they're carrying it on in. Let's be careful. God, I'm telling you, God's give you the wife that he wants you to have. We need to love her, respect her, understand where she's coming from, understand her makeup, and dwell them according to knowledge. They should never be mistreated, never be, um, they're, not, they're not made to be hollered and screamed at. They're not made to be told mean things, you're ugly or you're fat or you're, boy, you talk about hurting a lady, you can do some real damage. She may never talk about it, but you will damage your wife. 
And she may never get over it. So I want to, what's why we need to be gentle, need to be careful. But now moving out of the home in the church ought to be the same way. Shouldn't the church be that way? Nobody should come in here and bash each other and be mean, all that. Be gentle with our words and gentle in our spirit and meek and lowly, humble, loving. Those are the kind of things that's going to build the church. See, I don't care what kind of preacher you got. Churches aren't built on preachers. It takes people in that body that are willing to do the work that's necessary and stay right with the Lord. And people come in and they feel loved. See, I know people go to churches, Brother Jones, I've seen them go in there, and they'll love the preacher, but nobody else in there even talk to them. They visit and they say, well, nobody even cared to shake my hand. They nobody talks to me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody calls me. Nobody said a kind word to me. They acted like I wasn't even there. I love the preaching, but nobody, I've, I've heard that kind of thing before. And it don't matter how that preacher's preaching was, they won't be back. That's the way our churches ought to be. It ought to be a place that's full of love and compassion and care for people. Amen. Amen. Well, we got to move on. I didn't mean to meddle in all this stuff here. Um, now, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. So I'm done. But you've got an emptying out in verse 1. And then you've got a filling in verse 2. Empty yourself of all of verse 1 and then fill yourself with verse number 2. You can't empty yourself in verse 1 and grow without the Word, right? And you can't fill yourself with the Word and still have all of verse 1 and never grow. It takes both. you got to empty yourself of all of these things and give yourself, fill yourself full of the Word of God. And then you can grow. That's the way you grow. And so, uh, and I don't want to make the application, but uh, all of us know that there's things that will choke out the growth. Uh, if you're trying to grow vegetables in a garden, it takes some, it takes some, some care to watch out for those bugs and to uh, get those. Uh, uh, if you let these uh, leaves grow out, they'll start taking over all the water. And they can, you got to care for that thing, right? There's things that have to be done. So you've got, to, you've got to fill it with good things, but empty it of all the bad things. And so we need that in our life. What we're trying to do, uh, we're trying to come in here and have revival and, and try to get in the Word of God. And we're full of guile and malice and envy and evil speakings. And it, we'll never grow. Can't grow that way. And so last verse, verse number three, if so be you have tasted uh, that the Lord is gracious. And I think that is, uh, that is casting doubt because, uh, I believe that's just what the Bible's teaching there. But if so be you've tasted that the Lord is gracious and God's been gracious to you, how is it so difficult for you to be gracious to other people? That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? God's been gracious to you. Why are, you so, why are you so hard on everybody else around you? What if God treated you that way? What if God screamed and hollered and belittled and poked fun of you all the time? Wouldn't be good, would it? So if so be that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious, boy, have we not tasted that. If there's anything that I can say about the Lord, I found him to be gracious. He's been gracious. And I want to be that. I want to tell you, Brother Jones, I, I'm, I'm done. Brother, Brother Bryant helped me so much in that revival. Um, if you weren't here, most of you, if you, if you don't remember, um, but he talked about 
when the glory of God, we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. That verse has helped me so much. Because if I want to exhibit the glory of God, which I should, then I need to be full of grace and truth. I need to be gracious in my character, and I need to be full of the truth. And so uh, I don't, that's not difficult because I found my Lord to be so gracious. Have you not? You ever thought about what if God dealt with you the way you deal with people? What if, God, what if God neglected you like you do your wife? You ever think about that? Wonder, wonder, if, wonder if God just abandoned you for a few months, a few weeks, a few days. Wonder if he never told you he loved you. Wonder if he never told you he was proud of you. Wonder if he never, I wonder if he just didn't talk to you at all. What if he just, what if God just stayed busy doing other things and never paid attention to you at all? wonder how you would feel. I, don't, I know how, I'm going to tell you, when I have felt the presence of God, I felt like I couldn't find him, like Joe. And I looked and I tried to find him. Boy, I'm telling you, it hurt, it's panicky when you feel like you can't find the Lord. What if God does you that way? See, we ought to exhibit his character. Let's, let's men, let's, get, let it, let's be to our family what the Lord's been to us. That's not unrealistic to expect, is it? That's hard. Now, it's going to be difficult. And our wives, you know, I've come to find out, Joshua, I have come to find out, my wife knows what I am. She's, she knows what I'm made of. She understands my faults and failures. And your, me and our wives understand that kind of thing. It'll be difficult to do, but let's try to do all we can to make sure that our homes are a place that's full of love and kindness and gentleness and meekness and goodness and temperance. That's not unrealistic to expect, is it? Gracious, be gracious. Lord, thank you for all that you've done today. You've been so good. We're so thrilled, uh, Lord, to hear of uh, the salvation of our dear friend that we've been praying for. Thank you for what you've done in his life. Thank you. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you still save sinners. Thank you for your goodness to your people. Help us, Lord, to be as gracious in our characters as you are in yours. You are Ever so kind, so gracious. And so help us to be that way to our families. Help us to be that way in our churches, Lord. To love, to be kind, to be gentle and meek and all those things that we should be. Lord, we love you. Thank you for all that you've done. Especially if there's any here that are lost. I want to pray for them, Lord, that you deal with them and help them to come to the knowledge of the truth. We love you. Be with our people this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand to your feet if you would, please. We'll have one verse if you need to come.